if you irritate irritated skin, it'll stay irritated. Now, the key beauty then is keep the word irritant in your mind. Then you're not inclined to mention a brand name because they don't tend to say, come on, buy my irritant. Or the doctor doesn't prescribe an irritant, which means you can bypass the producers and the doctors by simply saying to the parent or the patient or the person, your choice, if you want to irritate your irritated patches, aren't you glad all those nice people are there to help you do that? If you don't want to irritate your skin, then don't apply that to that patch and watch the skin get better. Welcome to the Biology of Business, where we talk about the anatomy and physiology of a business so you can apply your clinical reasoning skills to your business reasoning and create a healthy, sustainable, impactful and profitable clinic. I hope you enjoy listening and subscribe. Hi, I'm Kate. This is the Biology of Business show. And today we're joined by Dr. Harley Farmer. And Harley is a veterinary surgeon who doesn't practice on animals. So welcome, Harley. Welcome to joining us on the show today. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. So Harley, you're a vet that doesn't practice on animals. Explain more. Uh, when I was a student, biology was fascinating to me. Uh, sorry, a school child. And then I had a choice. I wanted to do a clinical degree. I saw absolutely no reason for being a dentist, but we won't go there. Didn't want to do medicine because you have to deal with people who are complaining about themselves all the time. So I thought, well, that leaves veterinary science. And that was why I went that way. During the veterinary medicine, I realized they were teaching me how to treat animals with disease. And my inherent belief is, well, why would anybody want to let them get diseased? That doesn't happen. I come from the outback of Australia where you can't treat anything if it's poorly you shoot it. And that wasn't allowed in the cities. So here I was being trained in the cities with my outback belief that I really don't want the thing to get sick in the first place. So I studied pathology because I realized how much I love the process of change. Now in pathology, I can find out what started it and hopefully stop it from happening again. So I was a prevention junkie. Ah, and that has led you into the world of eczema if we fast forward a few decades. So how did going from being a, a, a vet and preventative uh, disease enthusiast from the outback of Australia bring you to the UK and being an eczema specialist? Okay, very short summary. I chose to do a PhD on a virus that was killing baby ducks because it was a process and that was fascinating. Pretty quickly realized that I could work out what was going on. Now we didn't have the vaccine for this new virus because they'd take too long and the duck industry wasn't worth it. But I did realize how you could look after the birds just because they're infected doesn't mean they have to die. So be nice to the birds. Now that PhD was a success. I then employed by the chicken industry because a new disease was breaking out in, I had broken out in baby chickens, little fluffy yellow guys, and they didn't grow. About four weeks later, these little yellow ones were running between the legs of their mates who had grown. Again, we worked out it was infectious, fast moving industry, very cash conscious, couldn't make a vaccine for it. But hey guys, why don't you just look after your chickens? And they laughed at me and that suggested I should leave their profession. 
leave their industry because they don't look after chickens, they make meat totally different. But my thinking was, no, every one of those little chickens is important. Even if there are 10,000 in the shed I've just walked into, they're all important. And that, so my mentality didn't suit that industry. So I sort of kept moving. So your mentality was, or what you were discovering was, if you look after the ducks and you look after the little chicks and create a healthy environment for them, you don't have a disease problem. Yeah, be nice to them. Jump a long way forward. After that, I got invited to use my different approach to see if I could help with the infections in hospitals. And initially I said, I don't want to do that. They've got bleach, they've got alcohol, they can kill the bugs. And my main mentor said, oh, we know we can kill the bugs, but how come the bugs are still killing the people? And he knew he had me with that. We had to work out how we we're going to get finance, et cetera. But when I got into the NHS and it was open access, they were funding it basically, or the taxpayer was. And I went in there and being rather naive still, I thought, well, okay, this hospital is full of caring workers. Why don't we be nice to the workers? And they didn't have a platform for that. If a nurse used those hand hygiene products and developed hand dermatitis, occupational dermatitis, then get rid of it. You can replace her. Physiotherapists, bless them. Um, I've spoken to a number of those. The ones who said, look, I've got dermatitis. The employer said, we'll go and work somewhere else. The ones who kept quiet and just had red hands and suffered for it and transferred a few infections, they got to stay. So and, people uh, were being treated like the little chickens in terms of the idea or concept of just caring for people in their environment hmm. to prevent illness and disease is not being or was not being accepted. You were seeing that it was not being accepted. It seemed so obvious to you that there were simple solutions. The, pe the people were disposable. Now, because I was there to look at hospital infections and the system was saying, why won't these staff wash their hands? I was thinking, well, if somebody's got clinical dermatitis and you're hoping they're going to put an alcohol sanitizer on that, and the final question that got me invited to leave was, you know, forgive me, I'm just a veterinary pathologist, but isn't it illegal to ask a member of staff to damage themselves? If you're telling them they have to put a solvent vapor on damaged skin or you're going to sack them, you know, I'm having a little bit of trouble working out how we're going to break out of that one. So they just suggested I went somewhere else. En route, though, some of the nurses, or I remember one particular day, I was standing with a group of mature female nurses, and that's important in the story. And they knew I was there to help, so they're trying to help. So I said, okay, girls, why don't you wash your hands? And I remember one of them was just holding a hand out, and so I could see the back of her hand and it looked like crocodile skin. And I said, they expect you to put alcohol on that. She said, don't be stupid. I haven't done that for five years because um, it hurts. Now, long story short, again, two years later, I came back in and she recognized me. I got her to stick her hand out. I squirted a bit of foam on it. And you know this foam. Got her to rub it in. It felt nice, lovely, silky feel. And she said, OK, MRSA superbug. And I said, about three seconds. And you've never seen tears appear on a nurse's cheek so quickly. First of all, some guy had actually asked two years ago. Apparently that person had listened, 
had come back in with a product that would be good on her hands, be nice to the nurse, and control the bugs. Well, this was it. Now, we didn't have alcohol in that by definition, which meant the system wasn't going to buy it, which was predictable. So let me just but check I, I understand what you're describing here, Harley. So you had been invited to leave the NHS, and on leaving, you'd confirmed with a group of nurses, and one in particular that we're talking about, that her hands were absolutely raw. Okay. And this yeah. was five years that she hadn't used alcohol gel for, but her hands were still raw. Right, we'll jump, jump back a bit. The meeting I was having with them with the group of nurses, she hadn't used alcohol gel for five years. Okay, she knew she should. And her view was that, look, I can do hand hygiene as often as I know I should, but I'll develop worse dermatitis, have to leave, can't care for anybody if I'm not here, or I can stay here, care for as many as I can, and really hope I don't kill too many with infections. And I said, okay, I'm missing something here, you know, explain. Yeah. That was good, I left out of the story. Now, I went away for two years to develop a product which would solve her problems. They were real. The patients were the final beneficiaries of the problem because they are dying from infections, and that's what I was there to do. But I couldn't get near the patients. I couldn't break the systems. What I could do for that nurse and all the others like her was to give her a hand hygiene product that she would positively want to put on her skin. So you were looking to create... So as you had done with the ducks and the chickens, you'd identified mm -hmm. if you help improve the environment that mm -hmm. the living organism is mm -hmm. in, you can improve their health and prevent the disease. And what you were identifying with the nurse was actually there's a major problem with this alcohol gel and how raw it's making your hands. Therefore, mm -hmm. you're not wanting to use the alcohol gels. Consequently, you know, you're putting up with raw, horrible hands and dermatitis and perhaps increasing the risk of spreading disease between patients because your hand hygiene protocol that you're applying is not following the guidelines and what it should be. So you were looking to create a hand hygiene solution that would be kind to the nurse's hands. She would actively want to use it, would perhaps improve her hand health and reduce the risk of any transmission between people. Correct. We did that. Yeah. What I hadn't predicted was that some of the nurses that had helped me make these products were sneaking at home because they had had occupational dermatitis for years and two weeks later their skin had healed itself because I didn't heal it, I just stopped hurting it. And one of the beautiful things about skin, like if you graze a knee, if you do nothing, that skin will heal itself. So doing nothing is a really good idea. Now, with the nurses, within two weeks, they had beautiful skin because we weren't damaging it anymore. They were sneaking at home and washing their kids who had had eczema for years, and two weeks later, they had beautiful skin. Now, I happened to be prone to eczema. I had very bad eczema as a university student. I just, as a pathologist, I learned how to get out of mine, and I was a veterinary surgeon, didn't think about it. But here I was using that knowledge inadvertently to end the occupational dermatitis, which is now called chronic hand eczema. So I was busily ending the nurse's eczema. I didn't know they were sneaking at home and inadvertently ending the eczema in the kids. But the two questions that then rose, because as you know, that's what I see to be my forte, is find the right question, because the answers are out there. Just get the right question. So the first question was, how soon after my brand showed up in your home, did the eczema disappear? And the answer was usually about two weeks. 
Now, technically, that's half the generation time of the dermatocyte, but we won't go there. In other words, the X was not actually that deep. The skin had healed itself because I didn't believe I was doing anything positive. The second question was which brands were displaced from the house when my brand arrived. And again, because I'm not a dermatologist, I'm not interested in treating humans anyway. Uh, I didn't know what was in the skincare products. Well, once I had this list, I looked at the ingredients. I thought, oh my goodness, who in their right mind would want to put those ingredients onto the broken skin of a child? You're just going to annoy the skin. And again, if we can jump forward 20 years via a lot of psychology and a recognition that the definition of eczema is usually the thing that trips everybody up. It can get blindingly complicated, including genetics and all sorts of stuff. But one of the things that occurred to me was that if you've got a child with a patch of eczema in the fold of the elbow, and if you put what for the moment I'll call the wrong product on that, that eczema is going to continue. If you keep doing that, that person has got lifelong eczema, and it is known as a lifelong condition. Once you've got it, you've got it. One of the questions, though, was how come it's so circumscribed? You'll have this red patch, a centimetre away from the red patch, that same product isn't causing redness, isn't associated with redness. It was when I realised that those products were simply irritating, irritated skin. Then eczema became the process of applying an irritant to a patch of irritated skin. One of the phrases I did get into the medical lexicon was product-maintained dermatitis, which I now call product-maintained irritation. If you stop the product, there's nothing to maintain it. The skin goes into its default of getting better. So you're just simply creating the right environment for the skin to heal itself. Correct. Just as with the nurses, if you stop causing dermatitis, the skin will get better. And with the ducks and with the chickens, stop hurting the yeah. organism that you're wanting to help and treat, and the problem has a chance to yeah. resolve. And I went to veterinary school in Brisbane. It's a very, very practical school. And one of the things I remember an old wise professor there saying, in veterinary medicine, if you don't kill them, they'll probably get better. <laughs> Now, we're allowed to kill him in veterinary medicine, then wouldn't I have loved to have done that a few times, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, so again, with the chickens and the ducklings, you know, be nice to them. With the nurses, be nice to them. Now, with your skin, not, I, be yeah. nice to now, it. With the children, children with eczema, if you stop irritating it, it'll get better. Now, that drew me into a choice. Now, I studied went off and studied psychology en route with this, my version of psychology, because I wanted to work out why people weren't taking the choices offered to them. And the choice that I knew was there was with eczema, it actually becomes a choice. You choose to keep doing what you're doing and getting the same, or you choose to do something different. Now, I made sure that was a binary choice. Either you choose to have eczema or you choose not to. I've moved very much into psychology. Now, there's still one more fact here as to how we're going to stop it coming back. And I'm jumping very much further forward. 
Well, before, we, before we do that, Harley, can I just clarify a couple of things? So what I'm understanding is the products are maintaining to so the products in terms of what shampoo or moisturiser or soap I might put on my body in the shower or on your child mm -hmm. is what will irritate already irritated skin. So you might have a sore patch for whatever reason mm -hmm. and the products will then irritate the skin further and you're, you've got this product maintained skin irritation. And I presume as you as you mentioned you looked at the, the chemicals in some of the products that mm. we apply to our skin and were horrified at the level of toxicity and mm -hmm. raised questions in terms of if we all knew what what was in the products we were putting on our skin why would we ever apply them okay i'll so, help you out there wisdom, wisdom suggests never get into somebody else's product okay you're going to have a bum fight so can we find another way of saying what you've just said and so that I'm not blaming a brand or the medical profession or something else? Now, if you pick up a phrase that I introduced, which is, if the skin doesn't like it, the skin doesn't like it. Because we've also got to bring topography back in. Because remember when I said the child with the eczema in the fold of the elbow, if they were putting irritant on that, that's a bad idea. But that same irritant two inches away is fine. Yeah, so it's irritating the already irritated skin, the products. That's the key. Yeah. It's the, on the, if you irritate irritated skin, it'll stay irritated. Now, the key beauty then is keep the word irritant in your mind. Then you're not inclined to mention a brand name because they don't tend to say, come on, buy my irritant. Or the doctor doesn't prescribe an irritant, which means you can bypass the producers and the doctors by simply saying to the parent or the patient or the person, your choice, if you want to irritate your irritated patches, aren't you glad all those nice people are there to help you do that? If you don't want to irritate your skin, then don't apply that to that patch and watch the skin get better. And is there any commonality in terms of what has caused the irritation in the first place to then be further irritated by product? Uh, there's a lot, but to simplify that down, go back to that catchphrase, if the skin doesn't like it, that's the difference because we've got huge cultural differences, as you know, I'm not sure whether culture is the right word anymore, but we have people from different continents who have different um, approaches to life. Now, there's one particular group who love um, organic coconut oil. Oh, yeah, coconut oil is the thing they put on their eczema. The next question is, well, have you still got eczema? Yeah. So what are the chances? And then you're into the psychology of guiding them to come to their own realisation that the one thing that's keeping their eczema going is their beloved coconut oil. If you go to another continent, you'll find people using ghee, purified butter. We use it because it's natural. Granny used to use it. Isn't it fantastic on our eczema? Um, do you still have eczema? How about we come to realise that for some reason that ghee is irritating your irritated patches? Move on from that. If you then come to modern medicine with steroid creams, um, the steroid will stop the redness because it's a powerful drug. The cream, which is the other word, is the irritant. 
And the reason why people get a flare-up of eczema after they stop the eczema, um, yeah, the eczema cream, sorry, the steroid cream, is the steroid has finished and worn off, but the cream is still sitting inside the skin, irritating. Okay, so that's why we don't talk that much about creams or steroids or anything else. But the key thing, if I again come forward, you know the brand that I created was picked up on the fact that I found people could not explain eczema. And if they can't explain it, it's pretty hard to come to a logical decision on what to do with it. So I coined the phrase XX or the word X eczema. The first two letters come from explain. Because once you can explain it, you know the cause, whichever irritant you happen to be using, you know that's the irritant now, you then have a choice. You can keep using the irritant. You've probably got a lifelong experience of knowing what's going to happen, but if that's what you want to do, that's your choice. We're doing psychology here. If you want to do something different, binary choice, you don't apply that irritant anymore. So we're less concerned with what's caused irritants in the first place, because that presumably could be many things that you've... Correct. It can be many, many reasons, and we all irritate our skins at some point, and kids, you graze, you, yeah. you all sorts of things irritate your skin. That's right. So we're less concerned with the original cause of the irritation, because we know if we cut ourselves or graze ourselves, yeah. our skin heals, it has the opportunity to heal if we create the right environment. Mm -hmm. So what we're concerned about is the fact that we're creating an unhealthy environment that is continuing to irritate the irritated skin, and how can we recognize that actually we're facilitating that ongoing irritation and yes. do something to change the environment, just like you did with the chicks and the ducks, mm. to enable yeah. health. Now, what, what you've just done in that lovely summary is that you've simplified atopic eczema with all its complexity and genetics and all that sort of stuff down to irritants. Mm. Now it's simple. If you present that too quickly to somebody, especially an adult who's had a lifelong of eczema, you're in serious danger of insulting their experience, Yeah, which is why it's got to be delicate, um, well-being coaching, standard methods to guide them to their own realization of what's going on in their skin, guide them to be able to explain their eczema. Yeah. Once they, or if they're able to realize it really is that simple, then we start looking or expecting 100% success. If they choose not to go to that, I've learned to expect 100% failure. It's binary again. Now, what I've just described is psychology. And what we've done recently is that there was a young girl that we got out of eczema 10 years ago she asked to do work experience with me prior to going off to studying medicine. So I asked if she wanted to write a book. I gave her the bullet points, but it's all in her words when she filled in the bullet points and I put the graphics in because I wanted somebody, a school person, to write a book for school children. Now, being somewhat sexist here, we knew the girls with eczema would probably read the words. Boys with eczema would not. So we needed a whole bunch of diagrams so that the boy could just, you know, you can, if you insist, he'll have a look and he'll flick through. If he gets enough of the pictures, he'll get the gist. He'll probably then sneak away and read the book. But there's a real difference between uh, boys and girls, luckily. Now, when it comes to eczema, 
how we're going to utilize that. So anyway, we had the book. Now, one of the diagrams that I put in the book um, was that so far we haven't talked about dry skin. And that becomes really important because it's if you've got a period of reasonable prolonged stress, just like exam level type stress, so it doesn't have to be devastating, then it's been proven that you can get more moisture coming out of the skin. That feels dry, but that's because of the cortisol hormone. It's one of its functions is to allow moisture out of the skin. So if you've had a decent bout of stress for long enough, you'll get a patch of dry skin. That's what nature intended. You've now got a choice. If you're one of those people who is prone to eczema, so it's only 10% of the population, but of all those people, if that person says dry skin, that must mean I need a moisturizer. And my skin doesn't like moisturizers. By putting a moisturizer on that dry patch, I'm going to cause irritation. That is what I call the outer view, the dermatology view. The other way of looking at that same bit of dry skin is to say, right, I'm thinking inside. The inside view is psychology. What caused that stress five days ago, seven days ago? Nature told my skin to make a patch of dry skin. Now, why would nature want to do that? Because nature's on my side. So why don't I go back and think about what was inducing that dry skin? In doing that, you don't apply anything to the skin. And even if you're prone to eczema, if you're not putting an irritant on that dry patch stays as a dry patch. Okay, so the dry skin is what nature wanted. You and then the have this choice of what I've in crude terms, I've put dermatology means slap something on the outside. Well practiced at doing that. Psychology means come inside. Now I've got to watch out for psychology because people who are not used to it get a little bit scared. So well-being coaching is what we're allowed to do. But more to the point nowadays, mental health is becoming acceptable. Now we know from research or science that an awful lot of suicidal ideation, especially in teenage girls with eczema, it's a really, really serious mental health issue. Of all the things in a school that induce mental health issues, the only one I can think of that I could remove from a school inside a month is eczema. But we need the head teacher and the system to come with us. If it becomes a mental health issue, we're allowed to use standard well-being coaching. The person can get to explain their own eczema. They get to decide whether they want to stay with eczema or not. It's just a well-being coaching choice. And all they have to do is allow their skin to heal. Part of what they learn is that they're allowed to have normal skin. Prior to then, they'd been told, oh, you've chosen to have eczema. That's lifelong, you know, you're in a mess. That's not very good psychology. And but what you're can... describing is not only do we, um, well, we, we all have this power of choice. And there's mm. a huge, the biggest thing that I think carries over across all areas of health in terms of your message here is if we just stop blindly treating symptoms and all pause to think back just like with those chicks just like with those ducks what is the environmental cause or the environmental change that has perhaps caused this problem 
Mm-hmm. And can I address that so yep. that I have healthy chicks, so that I have healthy ducks, so that I have healthy skin, so the nurses have healthy hands, so the teenage girls have have healthy skin too? Now, the one of the key things that the last who wrote that book came out with was that uh, we got rid of her eczema when she was 10. Uh, say we, her mum is a physiotherapist, so we're, we were able to talk science. Um, and we, between mum and myself, we realised, well, hang on, the kid really is hating these products. I wonder if the products, now that's a bit of a sacrilegious thing to say at that stage, but I wonder if the products are causing irritation. So why don't we change them? Now, I couldn't say to them, right, go cold turkey, because she would have scabbed all over and not like me very much. So we did need to have something to soften the scabs. But the what I've worked out was that knowing the ingredients and all those other products... We know the skin is mostly water as the human is. So if we want a product to be compatible with the outside of that human, why don't we make sure that we have those products with at least 70% water? And once I had that logic, I was able to push it up to over 95. So all our skincare products are water with a bit of assistance in there. So what you're describing is actually one option for people because if we're describing that we've got irritated skin and we want to stop irritating it with products that are maintaining the irritation mm-hmm. one option is to just stop applying the irritated products mm-hmm. and obviously go looking for other environmental factors stress or other things that might well be contributing towards the skin being sore in the first place mm. or dry um but for some people, just that golden cold turkey is not an option. They still need something to soothe their skin because their skin has become so raw and sore. And that's where your products come in. Is that correct? Is that what I'm understanding? Right. If you've got a tiny little baby with fairly advanced eczema, widespread eczema, <clears throat> if you go cold turkey, they will scab over and babies are going to scratch the scabs off. So do teenagers and adults do it too, but we're not supposed to say that. Um, so going cold turkey, some people do it purely on the knowledge that we give them. Now, if they choose to do that, I know it'll work because they've already done the mindset change. But they have to resist the temptation to scratch, which is very hard if you've got an itchy bit of skin. I caution them against it because... You know, it's still um, hard not to. However. I mean, I, that's what actually got me out of eczema 40 years before. Do you and have to put gloves on your hands or sit on your hands? Um, <laughs> well, as a pathologist, I was putting my hands in places where I really didn't want them back on my skin, so I was okay. Um, so the first choice is, once you've chosen to do something different, the first is cold turkey, but please don't. Second is to find a way of getting moisture on your skin. So look for some products that do have mostly water, intentionally mostly water, The third one is that we recognize that even though I can explain all the science to people, it doesn't mean they're going to do anything. It's like if I talk to somebody who's, they know they're overweight, they know they're heading for type 2 diabetes, I can give them a brilliant lecture on the virtues or otherwise of horrible food. And they say, yeah, yeah, I heard it all before. Now, what are you going to do to help me? It's exactly the same with the eczema. What we're finding is that a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, I've got eczema. Thank you for letting me do your eczema score. Isn't it terrible eczema? And I'm thinking, great, you're keen, you're engaged, you're going to do something. And they say, yeah, so what are you going to do? That's when we introduce the digital coaching program. Now, so you're really helping people have understand they have 
agency over their own health again, but providing them the support and the wellness coaching to get them there in a very accelerated manner. So it doesn't take them 20 years of discovery to get there. Once they've made the decision, I realise they've got an option to make the decision, supporting them bring about that change and that transformation. Correct. Now, for years, I resisted doing this because I just said, you know, wake up. Um, now, as I mentioned to you before this started, 12 months ago, I was 20 kilograms too heavy. Um, I'd always been a little bit too heavy, but over COVID and various things, I just let it go wrong. Now, I knew perfectly well all the science about how to stop being heavy. So did my wife, who has the same qualifications as me. And between us, we were little chubbies. We actually hired somebody to talk us through it. That's what taught me with the eczema. You can preach to them all you like. They can understand but sometimes for some people, they want their hand held. You just need your hand held yeah. through the implementation process and yeah. guided on the details to accelerate the process in terms of uh, right getting now. to the outcome that you want. Once you've made the decision, you want to get a, a, a different outcome for yourself. Yeah. So Harley, with the ducks, you were helping improve the environment and the health with herds of ducks. And then with the chickens, you were helping improve the health of herds of chickens. So as a vet, am I right in thinking you were an expert in herd health? Herd health, it, herd health it is and was, and that's always been my thesis. And the difference between moving from the ducks to the chickens was the ducks was a national flock herd. The chickens were global. So how yeah. now do you transform this world of eczema on a herd level and on a global herd level, as you did with the chickens. Okay, I used to love all the little chickens that I met, and there was an awful lot of them. If I could also get to love all the little children around the world who have got eczema, I'd be thrilled. By definition, I can't, much as I'd love to. So your mission, uh, your ideal mission is to hmm. improve the herd health of children suffering with eczema? Around the world, yeah. Now, to reach them in these modern times, it's going to have to be digital. Because if I was to tell somebody in um, out of Mongolia that I've got these nice skincare products that I invented in Britain, they can't buy them because I can't ship them. I can't sell them. So what we do in the digital program is when they sign on to that, they get access to seven little videos. In total, it takes about 80 minutes, 90 minutes. So within that time, the person can learn how to explain eczema to themselves. They then know what their cause is. They've already done the mindset change that we want, otherwise they wouldn't have come with us. Then after they've finished that, they get 28 automated emails from me. Now, on the first one of that, I give them a recipe on how to make a skincare liquid at home. The ingredients are very common. If they're not in the home, they'll be in the local health food store. We made sure of that. Now, the reason I do that is that anybody around the world can get the digital, therefore they get the recipe. Okay. That's the key. And for those yeah. of us that happen to be in a country that you can ship to, we're able to buy your products and, and use those to help heal our health as well. You know me well enough to know that I like discouraging people buying my products. I know, but I've also used them and they do feel nice on your skin. <laughs> so let me do that bit for you. Years you've known me. So what I'm saying to the people here is please don't buy my skincare products. The key difference in words 
is what I'm saying is you do not need my bottled skincare products. If you what? want them, that's a different issue entirely. But I, I want my mission is to make sure that you know you don't need them. Once you've got the mindset change, once you've seen the skin heal itself once, next time you get a patch of dry skin, you know you've got a choice. If you're a mother of a or parent of a child and you just sent that child to a friend's birthday party, we all know what rubbish they eat. So some of those kids are going to have red patches of skin a day or two later because of that rubbishy food. You've got a choice. Do we turn that food redness into atopic eczema because we used to know how to do that. We used to be really good at it. Or do we go psychology and say, my goodness, it must have been a good party if they could squash that much rubbish into their mouth. Um, that's the choice. So Harley, what you're educating and reminding us all is that so often with our health, we well, we have agency over it and a, a, an opportunity to make a decision whether we want to improve our health or not improve our health. And we can impact herd health of ducks, chickens, nurses, children, all of our skin by stopping hurting ourselves and yeah. creating a healthy environment so that we thrive in the yes. same way as the ducks did, in the same way as the chicks did. Yep. Yes, and if I can help there with a, because the numbers a lot of people don't do, it's just people don't do percentages and numbers. Now in Britain, or most developed countries, 20% of babies are diagnosed with eczema in their first 12 months of life. People don't necessarily do percentages. So switch that across to about 140,000 babies a year, little tiny babies. And again, numbers aren't always good. So what I get people to do is think of Wembley Stadium in London. Most people know that. All those red seats, thousands of red seats. Now, if you were to take last year's eczema babies and put one in every seat you'd be left with 50,000 babies on the grass that yeah. now, is how relevant it is every yeah. single year correct every feel... year and to put those 50,000 babies on the grass we had to shift out last year's babies yeah that's what I'm hearing this is a, this is a every year we're filling recurring yeah now you can't do that same exercise in the States because they would need a stadium that held 700,000 people and they don't have one. Um, but for England, for a start, Wembley works pretty well. So then you can say, right, you could go negative, which I don't do, but I'll give you an example. You could say, right, who's responsible for this? That's one huge achievement to cause an unnecessary condition in 20%. Either you're pretty twisted or you're not looking at your science. So that could be negative. In other words, is it the Minister of Health, Secretary of State for Health? Is it the doctors? Is it the dermatologist? You know, who knows? Don't want to go there. Or you can turn it around and say, okay, who would quite like me to stop talking about these 50,000 babies on the grass? Fairly sure the Secretary of State for Health would rather I wasn't able to say it. I would like to hope the dermatologist really wouldn't want me potentially having somebody point a stick at them. Poor old GPs hate eczema because it just keeps coming back and back and back and they know they can't do anything. So imagine now that GP, they're looking at their list for the day, looks boom, 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 oh, this, oh, it's that kid again with eczema and that really, really angry mother. That doesn't make the GP's day. 
Imagine if they could look at their list another day and say, boom, 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 eczema, yeah, had that fixed in a month now, what else can we do? That's the currency for the GP. Now, if I could help all the GPs in Britain not have to face eczema as one of their most common recurring conditions, I've just improved the welfare of GPs. Now, that's a fair thing to do. Let's do that. There might be a few companies out there would rather I didn't talk like this, because if they don't get to sell their products, then, but I'm very, very sure they'll keep doing it. So there we go. I'm so, having an awful lot of fun. I can't do it all alone. Nobody can. But I can get a lot of people to realize, especially if you're an adult, and one of the things that fuels all this, if I'm talking to an adult and say, okay, imagine you're looking physically downwards at a little three-year-old with terrible eczema and those eyes just, they're miserable. Now imagine three weeks later, you're looking at that kid, knowing that you gave a clue to the parents and the parents allowed the skin to heal. What are those eyes going to look like this time when they're looking up at you saying, thank you? How does that feel for you? Now the killer question, how often do you want to feel like that? Was once enough? Or do you want 5, 10, 20? You become an oxytocin junkie. You can <laughs> so easily get that beautiful feeling. That's what the XXMA campaign is all about. Let's create that feeling. Let's share that feeling. Let the people get their life back. And all we're doing is sharing known knowledge. And can you just share your website address and contact details if anybody should want to hear any more from you? Okay. I won't spell eczema because people with it know it. But if they just put EX in front of eczema, it's xexma.com. They will go there. There's enough information there for them to learn and go cold turkey <laughs> if they want to. Or they can progress through. Now, one of the things we're finding most useful for people is if they want a cheap way of starting, buy a digital copy of that schoolgirl's book. It's eczema, the inside view. That will allow you to explain eczema. Once you can do that, you just gain the confidence that all the basic inherent common sense you're using for yourself, thinking this can't be right. The book just puts you at ease. Doesn't Thank take long to read. She's a good writer. Um, and the royalties from it, by the way, are funding her, or they're being stored up at the moment to fund her medical degree. So I'm making sure she gets good royalties because I'm her editor and publisher and mentor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Harley. Thank you for joining us today and ensuring that we all understand that we have agency over our own health and over the health of the herd too. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you grow your practice for free. Firstly, grab a copy of how to create a super successful practice plan at marchandmethod.com forward slash grow. And whilst you're there, you can check out the free training that'll help you tackle common problems practice owners just like you face. Thirdly, at marklandmethod.com forward slash grow, you can sign up for my free newsletter where I send out weekly hints and tips. You'll also get links to the podcast, articles and other resources that you might find helpful and inspiring as you grow your practice. 
And finally, please leave a five-star review so I can access more influential guests and bring their lessons back to you here.